like you are stuck in the same place over and over again. Like you almost always get there, but you don't quite get in. Like you get engaged, but it falls apart and the marriage never comes through. You get job interviews all the way to the last round, but do not get the job. Almost like getting invited to your friend's party and you go at the door and you knock and you knock and you knock and nobody lets you in. You can hear that there's a party inside and the people are inside, but nobody lets you in. Almost like going into a restaurant so hungry and you get a menu, you are set down and you order food, but it never comes. Well, in this exposition of Acts chapter 3, we learn that the sovereign, omnipotent God has a plan and purpose for you, no matter what situation you find yourself in. All our circumstances, all details of our lives, no matter how minute, are ordered in wisdom by a living, thoughtful, and loving God. May He show His marvelous loving kindness as you listen to this message today. God bless you. Uh, I'm coming to you live again today from Dallas, Texas, and I'm continuing with the gospel focus of biblical healing series that we started recently and today i want to do an exposition on acts chapter 3 so jump right into it so when we see this scripture uh, from verse 1 it says now peter and john went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer the ninth hour we see here that peter and john there going to their normal they're going through their normal business they're doing the normal business of praying and the normal business of developing their relationship with God as they used to so they're not out there focusing on healing they're not out there trying to look for people to heal they're not out there trying to be celebrities or anything like that works of healing should emanate from our relationship with Jesus Christ they're out there building their relationship with Jesus Christ. They were not having a healing service. And I've said it in my previous teachings and previous uh, uh, preachings that there's nothing like a healing service. We should not have that as Christians. The signs and the wonders, they follow the gospel. They emanate out of our relationship with Jesus Christ. They, were not, they do not advertise they are coming to the temple. We, we cannot advertise healing. Because truly, we do not know when, and we do not know how, and we do not know who God is going to heal. God does that out of his own volition, out of his own grace, out of his own work of the Holy Spirit. Our duty and our job is to pray in faith and wait in expectation for God to do his work through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see that in verse 1 here, they are out going to the temple, and then they meet these men while they were... Uh, uh, out at the, at the temple, going to the temple, going for prayer. I want to focus again on, on the aspect of prayer. And I will expand in, in more episodes or in some places about prayer. 
the focus is on prayer to God here. They are out praying. So we should live prayerful lives. We should live lives in relationships with God through prayer, right? So when they, so what happens? Let's examine the facts a little bit. Uh, from verse 2, and a certain man, a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple, whom seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for money. So this, this gentleman here who was lame from his mother's womb, who was lame from birth, was carried to the gate every day to ask for gifts to beg for money. So let me talk about the, the gate for a little bit. Let me talk about being at the gate for a little bit. He was at the gate every day, but he was not quite in the temple. <laughs> he was at the place. In America, they have a, a culture that they call tailgating, where if you go to a football match, people go with their trucks and then they barbecue outside of the stadium. They, they chill. They they fellowship, they drink, they have fun outside of the of, of the of the stadium. But they are not quite in the stadium. And some people without tickets to the football match, they even go to this place, to, to the stadium, they go outside, they tailgate, and they don't get in. They tailgate until the match is over and then they go home. Then they, if you ask them, if you ask them, where were you? They would say, I was at the stadium. I was at the Broncos-Dallas uh, Cowboys match. But they were not quite in. This man, if you asked him where he was, where he spent his day, he would tell you, oh, I, I spent my day at the temple. But he was not quite in the temple. He was not quite in the temple courts. He was just by the gate. If you went to this place house, to this man's house, uh, or if you met any members of his family, and you asked, where is so-and-so, where is uh, Mark, where is John, where is Matt, where is, where is James, or whatever his name was, if you ask them where he was, they would say, oh, he is by the temple. But in reality, he is not quite in the temple. He is by the gate. He is by the gate. We have a lot of Christians who come to church but they have no encounter with Jesus Christ. They are by the gate, but they're not quite in. We have a lot of Christians, or we have a lot of people that spend their lives going around circles and cycles and coming back to the same place all the time. This man was carried to the gate every day. Coming back to the same place, their lives have not been changed. Their lives are not victorious. They do the same thing over and over again. They are quite at the gate, but they're not quite in. They are at the gate, but they're not quite in. They, they, they have a resemblance of religion, but they don't have the power thereof. They have a form of religion, but they don't have the power thereof. They have something that resembles Christianity. So, some even have positions in the church. Go to church every Sunday. They never miss a Sunday. They never miss a, 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 a church gathering. At the gate, but not in the court. At the gate, but not in the temple. Not living a victorious and fruitful Christian life because you remain at the gate. The Bible tells us of a story in Matthew chapter 21 from verse 19 where Jesus Christ, while walking, sees a fig tree that 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 
is so green and so lush. It looks like there's something in the fig tree, but when he goes in there to pick the figs, there's nothing. Having the resemblance of, of fruit, but not having any fruit. He was coming to the temple. The people knew him. People that walked into the temple knew him. Because we, we see as we read later that they knew him. They knew him as the big. He probably also knew some people that went into the temple by name. But he never had a relationship with God. He never had an encounter with God. He never had an encounter with Jesus Christ. He never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people who profess Christianity, but they don't possess Christianity. Profession of faith is not possession of faith. I don't know what your Christian life is like, but I want to encourage you today to not stay at the gate, to not be stuck at the gate. He was stuck at the gate. And he was coming to beg his, his sickness, his lameness, his, his, it, had, it had incapacitated him. It had reduced him to be a beggar. My brother, my sister, I want to ask you this afternoon. I want to ask you this time. Whatever time it is that you're listening to this podcast and listening to this message, are you stuck at the gate? From verse 3 to verse 10, we see that he sees Peter, so he sees, this gentleman sees Peter and John coming, and he looks at them, and he says, oh, there's going to be money here. And one of the reasons why he was begging at the temple, this was a very profitable place to beg. This was a very lucrative place to beg, because the people who came to the temple, they wanted to, to practice uh, uh, acts of religious uh, piety. They wanted to, they were religious people. They wanted to be seen as people that are generous. So they would often give gifts and alms and money to these people that are that are begging at the temple. So this was a very lucrative place. And they would come adorned in their robes and in their flamboyancy and, and, and because they wanted to appear like charitable people, they would give to these people. So he sees Peter and John coming and immediately he looks at them. He thinks money. He thinks I am going to get something from this uh, people. So he asks them for a gift. He he looks at them and he asks them for money. And we see the whole story unfolds here where Peter, uh, where Peter looks at him with John also and says, silver and gold have I none. Silver and gold have I none. But what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible tells us that immediately power went into his ankles and he was made strong and he leaped as Peter lifted him up, he lived up and stood and walked and praised God and went into the temple. Let's examine this a little bit. He was asking for money. He was asking for gifts. There are so many people, there are so many things that take things people to the church. Some people go to the church. Some people uh, tend to religion when they are having problems in their lives, whether sickness, whether the sickness of a relative, uh, whether they lost a, a relative, whether they are living in deep abject poverty, maybe they lost their job, or maybe the, something drives people to religion. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, when you're going through suffering and pain and, 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 and troubles, it is a very good time to find Jesus Christ. But you're suffering your pain as you seek solutions for your suffering and your pain. Let it not remain there, 
but seek to find a relationship with Christ and an encounter with God. There's a lot of things that happen in life that take people to church, that take people to religion. He was asking for money, not knowing what God has in store for him. He did not know what God has in store for him. He did not know that God had something better for him. He did not know that the purpose and the will of God was for him to walk. And walking would have solved his problems. He was asking for money, but that's not what he needed. What he really needed was an encounter with Jesus Christ that was going to transform him. He got money every day of his life, every day. The Jews worshipped God at the temple every day, about three times a day. So he got money, but it never transformed his life. What he needed was an encounter with Jesus Christ to transform his life. If Peter and John had given him money, if, if they had given him gifts, he would have come back to the temple gate tomorrow. He would have come back again tomorrow. The same man, a beggar, not transformed, not changed, not better off than he was the previous day if they had given him money. He did not know the will of God because he did not have a relationship with God. He had a need and he wanted to meet that need. Just like a lot of us, a lot of Christians, we have needs and we, we, we ask God to meet those needs and we, we do not have a relationship with God and we do not seek to know the will of God. And a lot of times we are asking for things that God does not want to give us. I'll give you an example. Like when somebody is looking to get married and they are looking to date, they have a list of the things that they're looking for. So they're asking, they're praying, they're, they're fasting and praying God for these lists and asking God to give them these things. I want a man who's like this. I want a man who's like this. I want a woman who's like this. And they're going to God and they're praying and they're... And they are never stopping to say, God, what is the man? What is your will? What is the kind of man that you want me to be with? What is the kind of woman that you want me to be with? I want that. We are busy obsessed with things. We are busy obsessed with, with fixated on things, so obsessed about riches, so obsessed about wealth, so obsessed about miracles, about healing, about marriages, and all the other things. And we don't stop to ask God, what is it that you have in store for me? What is it that you want for me? What is it that you desire for me? Simple prayer, short prayer. Our obsession with things has become the main reason, in, and in some cases, the only reason why some people go to church. We follow preachers that preach messages that promise us a good life that promise us a good marriage, that promise us a good job, that promise us a good uh, business or money or whatever it is that we're seeking for. We, 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 we hold such people with great re regard and great honor and we follow those people, we make them uh, celebrities. People that preach what we want to hear. We blindly and erroneously uh, quote verses, Bible verses that speak to the things that we're looking for. God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I've been blessed in every spiritual blessing. In everything, God works for the good. Everything works for good. We, 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 we do that. 
our our obsessions our our passions our needs the things that we seek for they drive our actions they drive our prayer they drive our fastings they drive the kind of services that we go to they drive the kind of preachers that we listen to they con it consumes us but i want to come to you today and tell you it is better to be consumed by the will of god it is better to be consumed by the purpose of god it is better to be consumed by the plan of god he was out there asking for money but he was never transformed i was such a christian at some point in my life i was so obsessed with getting out of poverty and i was so poor that we lived in a tin house we lived in a house that was made of of tin a house with holes. When we were sleeping in that house, we would see what was happening outside because it was so broken and we were sleeping on the floor. We did not have a bed. So I was so obsessed with getting out of poverty that all my prayers were about getting out of poverty. All my prayers was about getting a job. All my prayers were about getting more money. All my prayers. And I understand when you are in such a situation, when you are sick, when you're in pain, when you're suffering, when you're in grief, when you're watching your relative waxing away in sickness and in pain, in cancer, and when you're poor and you're in needy, your most felt need is what drives you. I was so obsessed. But in all my obsession, in everything, I, I used to go for prayers, fastings. I used to do all sorts of things to get out of poverty. I never got peace. In fact, it made me anxious. It made me anxious. And we do this thing in the church where if we see somebody with money, for example, we, we look at it as blessed. We say, oh, they are blessed. We look at it as if they have a better relationship with God. We look at it and think, oh, God loves them. And we look at people that are not doing so well, we think there's something wrong with them. My brothers and sisters, may you never come to a point where you think the blessing of God has to do with riches. The blessing of God only has to do with those that are healed and those that are healthy. The blessing of God never come to a place where you think the blessing of God only has to do with those that are in good marriages. And most of these prayers, if you examine them, most of these prayers and petitions to God, most of these devotions, most of these commitments, they are based out of fear. They are actually based out of fear, fear of poverty fear of dying fear of sickness fear of being single so they are not prayers driven by faith they are not based on faith in god but their faith based on fear their prayers based on fear but i want to tell you today that faith conquers fear so he went there with a goal he went to the gate with a goal i want to get money i want to get gifts this is what i'm going to ask for Imagine if this man had revelation. Imagine if this man had a glimpse into the will of God. The moment that he saw Peter and John, he would have said, now this is my day. Now this is my moment. I am getting out of this cycle. I am getting out of this place. Today is the day that I walk into the temple. And the moment he saw them, the moment he fixed his eyes on them, he would have been like Bartimaeus, the blind man who said, oh, have mercy on me, son of God. And when he said, what can I do for you? He said, that I may see. But when it came to, the, to, 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 to what the disciples, what Peter and John can do for this man, all he asked for was money. It is a very sad and disappointing thing that we have, we have this abundant God. We have this omniscient 
all-powerful, almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything in them. God who owns cattle on a thousand hills. God who owns everything that is, uh, the, the, the earth and the, is the Lord's and everything that is in it. That God, we have reduced him to a marriage. We have reduced him to money. We have reduced him to a job. And that is all we seek from him. It is a sad state of affairs that we have reduced God to things. We have forgotten the scripture that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The transformation in my life happened when I stopped praying for money. I do not make money prayers. I don't ask God for money. I do not. Because those things, the Bible promises us that they will be added. They will be added to us. So he was asking for the wrong things. And he was committed to asking for the wrong things. He had scriptures that support what he was asking for. He had sermons that support what he was asking for. But that was not what God had for him. That was not God's plan and God's purpose for him. The greatest level of faith, the highest level of faith is faith that comes from God to us. Not that comes from us to God. The highest level of faith in prayer is to pray and say, let your will be done. That is the highest level of faith in prayer. Because that shows that you trust God. You believe that God has in store for you what is good for you. First John chapter 5, 14 to 15 tells us, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Are we asking according to his will? Or we just, we have a list. We have things that we want to accomplish. We have goals. We have New Year resolutions. We have things that we look for in a man. We have things that we look for in a woman. We have things that we look for in a job. We have the type of jobs that we want. We have the riches. We have, we have what we want and we go with it to God. Instead of asking what God wants and pray for that. And it con he continues in First John that, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have our request that we have asked of him. This man went to the gate every day. He went to church every day. He asked for the same things every day, but his life never changed. His life never transformed. Maybe you're there, you go to church, you do, you have been doing the same thing, but your life has never changed. Go back to the will of God. Are you asking for the will of God? So we move on to, to, to verses 4. A lot of people, a lot of people stop at verse 10. They read from verse 1 to verse 10, and that's it. They stop. But we cannot preach Acts chapter 3. We cannot talk about Acts chapter 3 without talking about verses 11 to 26. In fact, verses 11 to 26 are actually the reasons why the miracle and the healing took place. A lot of these supposed healing services and these uh, purported healings 
take place and people are supposedly healed and purportedly healed and people leave the service without knowing a single thing about Jesus Christ. They live without knowing a single thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ and people come and start saying, yeah, yeah, yes. I want you to see in verse 12 that Peter deflects attention from the apostles immediately. He says, uh, uh, why do you marvel at this thing? Why do you look at us so intently as if by our own power and our own righteousness, this man has been healed? We have created celebrities out of this healing thing. And we have created uh, some men, they have celebrity status, but the apostles, they never attained celebrity status. It was all about Jesus Christ. The moment they saw people trying to praise them, trying to look at them, they said, no, 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 this is not about us. This is about Jesus Christ. They refused to be celebrities. They refused to be known as miracle workers and healers because nobody is a healer. We don't heal people. Only Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit heals people. So there's no healer. It is not our godliness or our works of righteousness. In fact, the Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags before God. So some people say, oh, I fasted and I prayed for these people and they got healed. And it's all about them. You know, I was preaching and I prayed and people got healed. Oh, so and so was preaching and people got healed. No, it's about Jesus Christ. I've seen a lot of advertisements about church meetings and church gathering and, and conferences. You hear something like, there's a lineup, so-and-so will be speaking, so-and-so will be preaching, so-and-so, and you have a brief bio. Come and experience the, the preaching of so-and-so. Come and get healed. Come and get this. Come and get that. And in the whole advertisement, there's nothing about coming and experiencing Jesus. There's nothing about coming and having an encounter with Jesus. And I'm like, where is People are being invited to people. People are being invited to celebrities, but they're not invited to Jesus. It is not because we have some special kind of gift or some special kind of relationship with God or a special kind of call to heal people. No, it is about Jesus. So we see in this passage of scripture as this scripture unfolds from verses 11 up to 26 that the state Peter addresses the state of man's heart. And you look at this. This man was crippled. This man was lame and he couldn't do anything. We look at us. The heart of a man is radically and totally crippled to death and can't do any. We can't do anything to save ourselves. We need Jesus Christ alone. Through the work of God's grace. To hold our hands. To hold us by the right hand of his righteousness. And give life and power to our dead ankles, to our crippled ankles, to our hearts, and cause us to walk to salvation and redemption. We cannot do it by ourselves. Faith in the works of Jesus Christ is what we will is what will get men from the gate to the temple. And God has a plan for the regeneration of our souls. God has a plan for that. It is the plan of redemption. You see, let me tell you something briefly here. And this is what Peter tells these people. He says, Jesus Christ, because we are crippled, because we are dead in our, in our souls, because we are dead in our hearts, God determined and destined that in a future time, my son Jesus Christ is going to go and he's going to suffer at the hands of men. And he's going to be accused, he's going to be beaten, and he's going to be crucified, and he's going to die for the sins of men. To reconcile men to God. 
And after his death in three days, rise again to conquer death, to conquer sin, to conquer the depravity of men. Rise in victory and reconcile men to God. This is God's plan for redemption. This is God's plan for the hearts of men. This is God's will and this is God's purpose. And this is the purpose for this miracle. So we see this, this event does not end in chapter 3. So to really conclude this, we have to read chapter 4 from verse 1 to verse 4. And if you read in verse 4, we hear that many who heard the word believed. I want you to notice that it doesn't say many who saw the miracle believed. It doesn't say many who saw the healing believed. It says many who heard the word. In other words, many who heard the gospel. Many who heard what Peter had to say. The preaching of the gospel. The biblical focus. The focus, the, the only focus of biblical healing is the gospel. It doesn't say many who saw the miracle. The healing of the men did not cause many to believe and be saved. But it is the preaching of the gospel that caused many to, to, to be saved and to believe. The miracle only provided the opportunity that was needed for people to pay attention. It opened the platform. And after that, the focus was not on the miracle. The focus was never on the miracle. If you read what Peter says to these people, his focus is not on the, on, on the miracle and the healing. His focus is on Jesus. His focus is on the person and the works of Jesus. His focus is on the redemptive power of Jesus, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ should be the only focus of biblical healing. Peter's preaching was not, come to Jesus and you will also be healed. Come to Jesus and you have a miracle. No. In fact, the promise of healing and the promise of a miracle is never in Peter's preaching when he does his gospel treaties uh, after the man has been healed. His focus was a call to repentance and a call to conversion. And a bold statement, a bold statement that Peter makes in verse 19, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. As we do this exposition on healing, this is the message that I want to leave you with. And maybe it's not just healing that you're looking for. Maybe you're at a place in your life where you feel like you've reached the crossroads. You don't know where to go. You don't know what is going to be in the future. You feel useless. You feel powerless. You feel like things are not moving. You feel like things are not happening. You feel like you're carried to the temple. You just go in cycles. I want to call you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things... God has answers for you. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. If only you could tap into his will. If only you could try to understand what his will and his purpose for your life is. And ask according to his will. And ask according to his purpose. And focus on the gospel of Jesus. And focus on the person and the works of Jesus. And not be obsessed or made anxious about things. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ. I want to make an invitation to you like Paul, like Peter did here. Repent therefore and be converted. Believe in Jesus Christ. He has a redemptive plan for you. He has a plan to restore your heart.
God bless you.